What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1, your one-stop shop for college and NFL football news. I'm your host, your boy, The Tank, and without further ado, let's get into it. This past week of college football, it was a weird one, full of upsets, quarterbacks bench, and perennial QB talents uh, cementing themselves as bust, really. Uh, starting with Auburn, of course, uh, since, you know, I'm an Auburn student. Uh, Auburn barely, well, barely beat, we beat them by 10, but... You know, garbage time touchdowns don't really count in my book. Uh, won tw- 34-24 over Sunbelt opponent Georgia State. Uh, three big takeaways from that game is this defense is very dependent on Zacoby McClain and Owen Papo, and it showed. Uh, that the entire first half without McClain, this defense looked rough. They were not able to get stops. Uh, they rushed for over 200 yards in that first half, Georgia State did. But once the Kobe came in, they only had about 47-ish yards. And it and it showed whenever Kobe went in is when the defense plays his best. Papo didn't play because he was still injured. But we should have both of those, uh, both of them back by LSU or by Saturday. They both will start. Uh, another big takeaway is Brian Harson has showed that he is willing to take out a uh, starting quarterback. We saw this with Gus Malzahn a lot where he was not, whenever the offense wasn't really playing well, he usually kept the quarterback in, you know, to kind of just like, uh, I don't know why he ever, why he always did, but he ne- when a quarterback is struggling, he never took him out. Brian Harson showed Saturday that he is willing to do that. Uh, and my final one is, where was the run game? Uh, for the first time this season, really, Auburn was unable to establish a run, a consistent run game at least. And against a Georgia State opponent who, yeah, they're in the Sun Belt, but really they're not all that good compared to Auburn. Auburn should have been able to really handle this game, but when you underestimate an opponent, this is what happens. But Auburn just, uh, I think Jarquez Hunter was able to run pretty well. He averaged like over five yards a carry. But only had 62 yards, I believe, and Tank only had 60. And throughout the uh, second half, it seemed like Auburn was trying to depend more on the passing game, which worked out in our favor in the fourth quarter. But up until that T.J. Finley touchdown, it wasn't really working. Uh, and, of course, Auburn uh, announced Sunday that uh, Cornelius Williams has been fired. Uh, first year wide receivers coach four games into the season and it's a bit iffy to people about why exactly this happened but I mean once you go back and look at the tape there were I believe four plays where Auburn was not did not have all 11 players on the field and I think especially on the Kobe Hudson touchdown is one of the examples of it and I don't know how or not not Kobe uh Chester Jackson touchdown uh there was only like 10 players on the field uh, Auburn just could not get the wide receiver personnel that they needed to be on the field at any given time. And uh, people were very confused as to why we're firing a wide receivers coach or a positions coach at all this early into the season when it could have been a coordinator's fault for all of this. 
But Auburn did announce uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday, uh, that Eric Casal, I think I'm saying that right, will be the new wide receivers coach. Uh, Casal has been coaching since 2000, 2000 uh, coaching positions like running back, quarterback, wide receiver. He's also been a coordinator all around. He was also an offensive analyst at Alabama. Uh, he has also coached players like Deshaun Jackson, Keenan Allen, and John Ross, all players who played very well in college and were able to get drafted. And besides John Ross, really, have played pretty well in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it's a good hire, especially because I don't know how I don't think I was a huge fan of the Cornelius Williams hire to begin with, and and the fact that there was such a lack of production from the wide receiving core throughout the first three, through the first, you know, four weeks of the season. You know, the receivers just did not look like they have improved at all. Of course, Auburn didn't have their two best receivers from last year, Anthony Schwartz or Seth Williams, and there's not really been a true established number one wide receiver quite yet. But you have to look at this. This is, these is some talented players. Like, these are all, I mean, three-star, four-star, some even five-star wide receivers who just aren't, uh, playing up to their talent level, and just looking at this as as a fan, it's disappointing to see that all these players are just not playing well at all. Uh, but hopefully, as soon as, as the season progresses, we get to see more of this. Hopefully, we don't get any mistakes like we did against Georgia Georgia State did. But I think the big uh, the, and moving on from the wide receiver, the biggest headline from this week, and moving on to LSU is. Who's going to be starting at quarterback? I mean, it's definitely between T.J. Finley and Bo Nix. Bo Nix didn't play bad, but he was not able to make plays on the field. T.J. Finley came in and, of course, led the 98-yard drive, scored a touchdown towards the end of the game. Uh, but Bo Nix, 13 of 27, 156 yards. QBR, 22.3, I think is the big key here. T.J. Finley goes in, 9 of 16, 97 yards, a touchdown, and a 79.9 QBR. Definitely raised by the fact that he scored a touchdown. Uh, there was a depth chart that said Bo will be the starter, but Brian Harson has since then said, do not trust the depth chart because he doesn't even know who will be starting on Saturday. But I think it's safe to assume that Bo Nix will be the starter. Uh, but he will have a way shorter leash than he normally does. If he's not making plays, if he somehow if he ends up having a turnover, which he hasn't done all season, I think that's when they're going to pull the pull the plug and put TJ in. Uh, I defended Bo last week. I'll stand by what I said this week. Is You can't really blame Bo for that performance. He didn't make plays, but he also doesn't call plays. And he hasn't turned the ball over at all this season. And he's not really in charge of the subs. I mean, when you have, when you have uh, 10 players on the field compared to 11 players on the defense, it's kind of hard to move the ball anyways. And I I think Bo's very talented. I think he is definitely, you know, the meme. He's definitely improved from last year. And I think uh, Harson should definitely go into this week with Bo as starter. I know fans are going to want Finley. I know fans are going to blame Bo if for any, like, miscue on offense because it's so easy to blame a quarterback when your offense isn't moving even though it could be play calling, could be the fact that the wide receivers weren't on the field when they needed to be. But I'll, I'm, I'll defend Bo. I think he deserves the starting job. 
at least until he proves otherwise. Of course, whenever TJ goes in, they win the game. But Bo, of course, he wasn't. They weren't making plays down the field, and Bo's very frustrated with the fact that he was benched. I still think that he should be the starter going into Saturday's game. If we're not scoring touchdowns by the like third, fourth drive of the game, maybe think about putting TJ in. But until then, I think Bo should definitely be the starter. I think uh, LSU has said that they will be preparing for both quarterbacks, which I think smart on their part because we don't know who's going to be playing. Uh, but I'll move on to other headlines throughout college football. Uh, Spencer Rattler, booed by Oklahoma fans, chanting, we want Caleb in reference to Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback from last year's recruiting class. thing is – I. They are blaming Rattler for the fact that Oklahoma just hasn't looked as, hasn't looked good all season. That is partially – you could partially blame some on the quarterback, but he's not playing bad. He's still in the Heisman race to an extent. Uh, threw for 256 yards, had a touchdown and a pick against West Virginia in a game they should have won by more because they only beat an unranked West Virginia 16-13 to as the number six team in the nation. And on TV, you could hear – OU fans were not happy with this game. They were saying that the We Want Caleb chant. Uh, but I think Rattler composed himself very well. At the end of the game, he uh, they were asked about it, and he said, oh, yeah, I don't listen to them. They're not on the field, which I think is a very smart response for to give. I think it's probably the best response he could have given because it really shows that, you know, he he is not – it's not his fault that Oklahoma is not playing to their strength. Of course, at some at sometimes Oklahoma's defense was very hyped up in this in this year, and their defense didn't show up. And other times, their offense was supposed to be really good, and their offense didn't show up in games. I think what Oklahoma understands is the fact that they are about to get kicked out of a college football playoff because they're not playing well. I think they'll finally learn that hey, we need to have both sides of the ball playing well together. So hopefully, they get that settled because I mean, Oklahoma is a good team, and you know they were they're supposed this supposed to be their year to win the Natty, but. It looks like it's going to be another SEC team this year. And, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, CFP contenders, or uh, not Oregon, uh, Wisconsin or Notre Dame uh, was able to beat the brakes off of Wisconsin. I feel like Wisconsin is probably one of the worst ranked teams we've ever seen in college football. Uh, you know, Wisconsin always goes into the year, always goes into the years uh, hyped up. They're supposed to. Maybe this is the year they beat Ohio State. Maybe this is the year they win the Big Ten and go to the CFP. Turns out, this is not the year. Notre Dame, a team that I have been very unimpressed with this year, was able to beat the brakes off of Wisconsin 41-13. to That is a poor performance from Paul Christ. Uh, Graham Mertz has looked terrible this year. I think he's thrown six, touch- six interceptions already, which I think he's tied for first. Uh... But overall, I'm, I've just been so unimpressed with Notre Dame and the fact that they were able to beat Wisconsin as bad as they did after struggling with Toledo is is, appa- is appalling to me. I mean, I, Wisconsin's always supposed to be that the next best team to come out of the Big Ten, but it over the past couple of years it's looked like they're not. And other teams are supposed to be like that. Washington, they were able to get a big win over Cal in overtime, 31-24. I think that's a much – as I said, much needed win for them. I think it's going to show that they're going to try to improve, kind of like how Penn State did uh, last year, just starting off losing all their games and kind of picking up at the end of the game at the end of the season. But now they're uh, four weeks in, 
maybe they can make a push for the Pac-12. They beat uh, maybe try to beat like an Oregon, a USC, an Arizona State, and try to beat one of those teams. And uh, going back to Big Twelve, you know, Iowa State is another team that got is one of the teams that got upset this week by Baylor. Baylor now ranked after this. Uh, also, Baylor lost one of their quarterbacks, uh, Zeno, a four-star quarterback. Uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing. Now we have two former Baylor quarterbacks in the transfer portal. For anyone looking for a quarterback, uh, we have Charlie Brewer from last week, who was at Utah. Utah lost to San Diego State last week without Brewer. And now we have Zeno. Two talented quarterbacks are now available in the transfer portal, and I think this year's transfer portal is going to be a fun one to watch. Hopefully Auburn goes at it for a wide receiver. Uh, But looking around the other conferences, you have the Big Ten. Iowa was able to barely beat Colorado State, a team that Vanderbilt was able to beat, which is weird. Iowa beat them 24-14. to and I can't remember what the Vanderbilt score was, but I know it was closer. But the fact is, Iowa should not be struggling against Colorado State. It should just not happen ever. Iowa is supposed to be the big is the Big Ten favorite right now, and when you have games like this, it's kind of hard for me to believe that you're going to be able to handle uh, Ohio State later on in the season, even though Ohio State is now down to get Stroud, I believe. He didn't play last week. Uh, but Ohio State was able to take care of Akron, which... Of course they should have. Uh, but, yeah, just a weird week college football. Rutgers, uh, the birthplace of college football, are they back? They were able to hang with Michigan. They lost, They lost, of course, 20-13. to 13, But Michigan was favored by 20-and-a-half points. And the fact is, Rutgers was able to – was in the game, and they even almost got a comeback going. They just ran out of time. Uh, Michigan was up 20-3. Game finished 20 to 13. One more touchdown, get five more minutes on the clock. Rutgers tie the game, go to OT. Uh, I I would love it if somehow this week Rutgers were able to beat Ohio State. It'd be really funny to watch, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And we're coming up on a break soon, but I'll talk about Texas real quick. Texas was able to uh, score 70 points on Texas Tech. Uh, of course, Arkansas beat Texas, but. Right now, it's looking like Texas, maybe they're back. I feel like this is probably the year they can probably uh, win the Red River rivalry. And the offense looks great. Casey Thompson was able to get a starting job back and has looked the part. Uh, I think he could make a push for the Heisman Trophy. I think he's probably going to – Texas could very well win the Big 12 this year, and I would not be shocked. But uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about Arkansas. How good are they, and how big is that gap between Alabama, Georgia, and everyone else? We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. I don't know why the uh, the audio wasn't playing there, but I'm sorry about that. Uh, Going to talk about Arkansas. Arkansas looked really good last week against Texas A&M. Uh, they were able to beat the upset A&M, really, 20-10. Uh, to 10, And they even battled some injuries to keep up that lead on, on them. Uh, uh, KJ Jefferson was out for like a quarter and a half. Uh, I think Traylon Burks at one point was also hurt, but it, it Arkansas looks really good this year. It was something that I, I mean I was always high on Arkansas going into the year, but the the to see them actually like show up like they are and win games like this, they now really own the state of Texas. Now uh, they have beaten three Texas teams this year, and that them being Rice, Texas, and Texas A and M. And, of course, in beating Georgia Southern. Uh, 
Maybe this week they could own the state of Georgia too. We don't know. Uh, and now they are ranked number eight in the AP poll, their highest ranking since 2009. And KJ Jefferson, I think, should be getting some looks for Heisman. Uh, you know, he's uh, 46 to 78, 844 yards, six touchdowns, and uh, two picks. And rushing wise, averaging 7.2 yards a carry, two touchdowns, 230 yards. Uh, people referring to him as Baby Cam. Uh, he watches the same Cam Newton highlight ri- highlight tape every uh, week before a game. I think it's funny. Uh, I was talking to my roommate about this, and he said he didn't like it because, you know, once you compare people to Cam, you, they kind of get this all this hype built up on them, and they never seem to really live up to it, but it looks like K.J. Jefferson is kind of living up to it. I, I like K.J. Jefferson. I feel like at some point he's going to get – some Heisman looks at some point this season, depending on how the Georgia game goes. Of course, if they stay in it the entire game, of course, he can still remain within that conversation. And, you know, speaking of uh, looking at the Arkansas A&M game a little bit more, A&M fans have been very, very vocal about uh, the reason they lost that game. They don't want to blame – they don't want to try to say that Arkansas beat them. They don't want to say that Arkansas was, you know – just the better team and outcoach them. They're trying to blame the fact on that they just played bad. They don't want to give Arkansas the credit, is what it seems like. Uh, Arkansas, they're they like to complain about the fact that you know, maybe maybe we just we didn't play well this game. That's it. You know, oh we had our back four back in. Y'all didn't really win. Uh, y'all weren't the better team. And I've been hearing this a lot, especially like on Twitter and Instagram from like big A and M fans, uh, that just will not admit that. Arkansas just completely just outcoached them, and it's ridiculous that they're even speculating or like saying that, really. Uh, but yeah, you you have to look at this. That Arkansas beat the uh, not breaks off, but they beat A and M soundly. They outcoached Jimbo Fisher, and you could try to blame the fact that their starting quarterbacks hurt. But once you're a big name program like A and M that consistently brings in five star quarterbacks. Zach Calzada should at least be able to manage a game, let alone not play as bad as he has been playing. And A&M fans like to think that they're better than they are because, I mean, they're a good team, but they've not been playing like it. Of course, they were only up by 7.5 to Kent State, and they barely beat a Colorado team, which is like a mid-major Pac-12 team at this point. And And now them losing to... Arkansas kind of shows that they were very overrated going into this year. And you uh, expect you everyone expected them to be the next college football playoff team to go in for the SEC. And it just is not looking like it's going to be that this year. Uh, A&M is probably going to lose a few more games. I don't think they're going to be able to beat an Ole Miss. Of course, they're not going to beat Alabama. Then you have an Auburn team that could be a loss and LSU. Uh, A&M always has this thing of where they go 10-2 and two, and then they go 7-5 and five for like three years. Then they come back to 10-2. and two. I think it's going to be the same thing. They're going to go 7-5 and five this year right now. It was until Haynes King comes back and proves that they are a better team than what it shows. And speaking of being a better team, Alabama and Georgia are the for sure top two teams. How wide is the gap between the number two and number three? Number three being Oregon. Right now it looks like if – the BC, if the if it was a BCS championship, it's for sure Bama Georgia. Even 
if they lose in the whoever loses the SEC championship is still going to be in it if they're both undefeated by the end of the year. Uh, Bama does have a, some rough tests to have. They have to go through like a, the whole West schedule. Georgia, of course, just has to go through, you know, Arkansas, then Auburn, and then they're pretty much done. Besides, you know, LSU and Florida. But then you have Alabama who has to go through uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn. Uh, they already got through Florida. Uh, and Mississippi State has been could give them some trouble because their offenses look pretty good, but it's all about Mississippi State's defense can hang with them as well. But yeah, that that gap between Georgia and Oregon is huge. I definitely think Bama or Georgia is going to be one of the two teams that win the college football playoff. And I mean, it could just be Alabama, Georgia yet again. Georgia's defense is always good. Bama's offense is always good. It's all about how their opposing sides can play. Can Bama's defense, even though they've been playing pretty well, but they've been known to give up a lot of yards, can they stop for? Can they stop Georgia's offense? And can Georgia's defense get some stops on Bama's offense? So that that game, that SEC championship game this year is going to be a great game. It's probably going to be almost as good as the Florida Alabama game was last year in the SEC championship. I can't wait for it. But you know, hopefully. We get Arkan. I would love to see Arkansas in the in the SEC championship. I would love to see Ole Miss in the SEC championship. Because I, I made a joke. I was like saying the perfect college football playoff is happening this week. We get Alabama, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, Georgia. I think that's the perfect college football playoff. Just all SEC. You get the four best teams from the best conference college football. I think that counts as a college football playoff in week what five. Uh, and uh, since I got some time to kill here, I'll probably go ahead and talk about the fall of the ACC. Uh, start of the year, they had three teams in the top 15. And for some reason, they've all fell off the horse hard. Uh, Clemson was ranked, I think, three to five. They were one of those rankings. Lost to Georgia, fell to nine. And for some reason, the the AP voters kept them in the top uh, 10 for the longest time until NC State came around to beat them. Uh, of course, NC State won 27-21 in double OT. They had the touchdown. NC State fans rushed the field. And now Clemson fell from 9 to 25 in the poll. DJ Ongalalele is uh, getting a lot of hate because he's starting to look like a bust, and I kind of side with that. Uh, when you're this high of a recruit, you cannot only throw for 586 yards, three touchdowns, and three picks. That is ridiculous for a guy who is said to be like the next great Clemson quarterback, like a T. Law, Deshaun Watson, Ataj Boyd, even he's starting to look a lot like Kelly Bryant. Uh, he's gonna be a, he's looking forgettable quarterback that everyone thought was gonna be good because he's following this other great quarterback. And until they get some depth behind him, because it looks like Clemson just has not been recruiting well behind their starting like uh, lineup, they're in for a rough patch. I think this could be, as Paul Feinbaum said, it probably could be the fall of the Clemson dynasty as we know it. And I know with Bama, when they lose it, we said the same thing, but it's more of a joke with Bama. This looks like it could be the case for real with Clemson, unless they're able to bring in some recruits that are able to sit back and be backups. And then I don't get how, as a team, you're just recruiting starters and you're not recruiting backups. That is ridiculous to me that they're just able not to have these guys who are ready to play uh, as soon as someone is benched or gets hurt or anything. Uh, the other uh, ACC team like this is uh, North Carolina. North Carolina was like a top, was also a top top ten team. 
lost to Virginia Tech. Now they've lost to Georgia Tech, and now they're out of the poll. Uh, but the thing is, you can try to blame the uh, Clemson thing on their offense. You cannot blame UNC's losses on Sam Howell like you can with DJ. Sam Howell has been 77 of 121, 1,173 yards, 11 touchdowns, and four picks. He's been playing great. He's been getting the ball to receivers. He's only turned over the ball four times. He's been playing great. The fact of the matter is he's been sacked 17 times in four games, which is horrendous. That is on track to get sacked over 50 times this season. This O-line is terrible, and they are halting all progress in this offense. Until they're able to um, uh, protect them, how this team is probably going to fall further and further down into, like, uh, I can't remember the word. But they're they're just not gonna they're gonna be like a seven and five six and six team at this rate. This is not the same team we saw play against A and M in the in the uh, bowl game last year. They look bad, and I mean I could I could bring up you and uh, Miami too. They were a top fifteen team, dude. Then they lost to Bama. They fell back. Then they lost to Michigan State. Of course, Michigan State now looks good. Miami is now unranked. So we have three ACC teams that are now out of. Uh, contention for the CFP, and uh, I don't think uh, I think Clemson's the only ACC team that's been. Oh no, Florida State has. Florida State's also you know zero and five, zero and four I believe. Uh, but we have ACC teams like Wake Forest and Boston College are now looking like they're going to be good. And I think this weekend is going to be another teller of how the ACC is going to look for the next few years if Dabo's not able to recruit backups like he's supposed to be doing. But uh, yeah, it's just a rough patch for the ACC, a conference that was, you know, in, like, second behind the SEC in terms of how good they were since Clemson was able to keep them up for so long. Now they're starting to fall apart. They're starting to look like what we're expecting the Big 12 to look like next year after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Uh, but it's the ACC is in for uh, some hard times ahead. If these teams like Clemson, their moneymakers like Florida State, Miami, UNC, if they just can't pick up all their talent that they have been able to recruit and win games. I mean, if Clemson loses to Boston College this week, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like they're going to be asking for Dabo's head at some point. Uh, We are coming up on this break. And whenever we get back, I will talk NFL football for the the, uh, next third of the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM in Auburn. Uh, for this third of the show, we are going to talk about NFL football. Uh, we had a trade come around for my Carolina Panthers where they traded uh, Dan Arnold, our tight end, third a third-round pick for C.J. Henderson, a former Florida DB from the Jags. Uh the trade with the Jags, C.J. Henderson, and a fifth-round pick. I think it's a huge trade for Carolina after they just lost J.C. Horn. We were in talks for a little bit to get uh, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman now just signed a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I am not too happy about. I would have loved to have seen I, – I I'm not always a big fan of Richard Sherman, but he's a great corner who I think would have really helped out this already good defense who is now down a – Great corner. Uh, I think Sherman really just did this for a ring. I mean, it's kind of hard not to when Tom Brady calls you to say, hey, do you want to win a ring? 
And of course, you're, most people are going to answer that and say, "Yeah, I'll come to Tampa." Uh, I think Sherman is—he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be like a, a nickel back at during the year. He's probably going to even play that much because of the fact that uh, Tampa has already has two uh, star corners from Auburn, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. And it looks like uh, uh, Tampa is looking to really beef up that defense that they already had a that they already uh, were able to win a Super Bowl with last year. Uh, I'm I again I'm like I'm upset at the fact that Carolina couldn't get Sherman to come in to just beef up that defense even more. But I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, if I had a chance to go to Tampa and just like, get a free win, free ring, I would do it too. It's the same thing with the NBA. If LeBron calls you the hey, you want to join our super team? Yeah, you're gonna join that. You get a ring, and that automatically make you, that makes you look more like a like an all time player than just having like one ring or no rings does. So again, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, another free agent move: Josh Gordon has been reinstated to the NFL for the you know the annual Josh Gordon's back in the NFL kind of thing. He was in the fan controlled football league for a little bit. He didn't play all that well, but I mean, he got a big enough name back to uh, really uh, get his name back out there. He is now going to be a part of the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know when exactly he should be playing, but he will make an impact at some point. He's still talented. He's still athletic. He just has a few off-the-field issues that should be fixed. I mean, you'd think so after, you know, he's been (laughs) suspended from the NFL so much. Now he's back with the Chiefs. And hopefully the Chiefs can get something together on offense. You know, their wider, they just have not been playing as good as they should have. Uh, wide receivers included. Tyreek Hill has been known to fumble the ball a little bit too much. Or he's, he fumbled the ball against the Chargers, which was huge. And the wide receivers aren't making plays because after – when you're only known for being how fast you are, it's kind of easy to set up your defense to kind of stop how – the stop a speed factor. I mean, Travis Kelsey's been able to do pretty well because it's kind of hard to stop Travis Kelsey because he's a multi-purposeful uh, type of tight end. But Tyreek Hill is really only known for, hey, I'm just going to go down the field, throw it to me, I'll be open because I can outrun everybody. Now you get Josh Gordon, someone who we've known is also fast, also been very shifty, also tall, can go up and get it. I think this is a big help if Josh Gordon is able to rekindle whatever fire he still has from whenever he was really good in the NFL. And hopefully, you know, I, I'll root for him, I guess. You know, I, I kind of hope he's good again. It It's fun whenever these offenses are as, like, dynamic as they are. And looking at another NFL team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's time to cut Big Ben from the team. Ben is now the worst part of the team, and it's showing. He is not mobile. He cannot move out of the pocket. And if he does, the ball's not going to go to where he wants it to. I saw Big Ben throw the ball into triple coverage willingly. Man, it was a pick. They lost to the Bengals this week, something that should not happen that often. But it, the Bengals looked really good to the, compared to the Steelers. I think it's time for uh, the, the games that I've seen the Steelers – the best games that I've seen of them is whenever they have a mobile quarterback in. I remember I watched the Michael Vick game, or at least one of them, where I watched him really control that offense. He was able to move uh, move the ball around. He was able to get out of the pocket and scramble for uh, some yards. 
And I think this is a key opportunity for Cam Newton to get back on a team. I think the Steelers are probably the best fit for him. You know, he's the same size as Big Ben, same throw power, or probably more. He probably has better throw power at this point of Ben's career. But the big key is that mobility. You want a quarterback that's mobile in today's game. Uh, Cam Newton offers that. Uh, Big Ben does not. And it's time for the Steelers to finally cut ties with Big Ben, whether it be today, tomorrow, or this offseason. I think the big thing is if Big Ben doesn't want to retire, you tell him he can not retire elsewhere. If When he does retire, you retire his jersey, you, he retires with the team, that's it. He should not retire as a part of the – as and still – he should not be a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization any longer. He is now a hindrance to a team that is has that has a great defense and has some very talented players on the offense. It's the fact that their quarterback isn't athletic, can't make plays, so on and so forth. Cam Newton should be a Steeler very soon. And I have a break about five minutes, so I'll spend the ne- next five minutes going through my NFL predictions for the week. I picked, let's see, seven games. Of course, there's Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, and a few other choice games that I thought I'd like to pick. Throwing over Thursday Night Football, we have Jags at Bengals. We have T-Law versus uh, Joe Burrow, a rematch of the 2019 College Football Playoff National Championship. And I believe this will be the same outcome. I think the Bengals are probably going to run away with this game. Cincinnati's only favored by 7.5 points, but I think they're going to cover that because T-Law has not been able to get the ball around like he was in college. He's thrown seven picks in uh, the first three games, which is terrible. First person to do that since Deshaun Kaiser, who was also another known bust. Up next, we have my Carolina Panthers at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to be picking against my Carolina Panthers, but I would love to be wrong. I just think Dallas isn't as injured as we are. Uh, We're down our best player. And our corner, and of course we made a trade for one, but I mean, we're down our like our second best corner. And CJ Henderson is, we don't know what he can really do yet. This is just kind of a, hey, we need depth kind of trade. So I'm going to pick Dallas. Uh, next, next we have uh, the Browns versus the Vikings. Cleveland is favored by two points. And Minnesota is a good team this year. I really like them. I think they've they're better than what their record shows. But I think Cleveland, their defensive line presence is just horrifying. Not in a terrible way, but in a scary way. Miles Garrett was able to get four and a half sacks last week for Cleveland against the Bears, of course. Uh, but I think uh, Cleveland just be able to take over this game. And if not, I don't trust the Vikings enough to kick a field goal to win this game because it has shown time in and time out again that when you put a kicker in a game-winning scenario in a Vikings uniform, they will miss every time, almost. And it is – I don't see how, as a team, you cannot just get a kicker. I know with the Bucks it was like that for a while. For the Vikings, it's been like that since Blair Walsh in, the, uh, in that wild-card game where he just shanked a like 22-yard field goal, it looked like. Uh, next, we have Arizona Cardinals and the Rams. The Rams have been on a tear this season. Matthew Stafford looks like he is elite, even though I think he always has been, always been a very underrated quarterback. But right now he looks amazing. Threw for four touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, forcing them to go sign Richard Sherman. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a very good game, and I have the Rams. It's going to be a battle of Matthew Stafford's arm and Kyler Murray's legs. It's going to be a great game to watch. Uh, next, we have Pittsburgh at Green Bay. I put this game on here because of the history of these two teams. Uh, these two teams, last they played in this. The last Super Bowl for each of the teams was this game. But I do think Green Bay is going to take this game away. I feel like this should be the game where they're like, okay, maybe Big Ben isn't the answer for the Steelers. So I'm going to go Green Bay big. So night football, we have the Bucks at Patriots. This is the uh, the homecoming of Tom Brady. I think Tampa is going to take away this game, but uh, the presence on that field is going to be enough. I don't know how the uh, Pats fans are going to be like rooting against him, but they're going to love the fact that Tom Brady is now back in New England. It's going to be hard to root against him because as so he gave them six rings. I uh, but I just think Tampa is going to take away this game. And finally, Monday Night Football: the Las Vegas, the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. I have the Raiders. Chargers are favored, but I think the Raiders have just been really good this year. They've beaten three good teams. I think maybe this is the year that they go back, uh, go into the playoffs. I don't think they're gonna make a big run, but I think the Raiders have really showed that they're a good team this year. Uh, I like Derek Carr, uh, of course, and they have. Probably one of the best kickers in the league right now with Daniel Carlson, Legatron from Auburn. Uh, has shown that he can win games for them if he needs to. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. And, yeah, I have the Raiders. But when we come back, I'll talk my college football predictions. On the other side of this break, we'll be back. Welcome back. We have 10 minutes left of Tank Talk Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And you can always tweet me at your boy the tank. That is Y A B O I, and then just the tank. I'm not gonna spell it out for you. Uh, but let's go into my week five college football predictions. We have a great week ahead of us in college football. Uh, this should be a very fun week. We have I picked ten games, but there were a whole lot more. Uh, we start off with Iowa uh, at Maryland, or yeah, Iowa at Maryland. Uh, Iowa's the number six team or number five team in the nation right now. They're the favorites or they're the top of the power rankings of a lot of Big Ten rankings. Um, but I think Iowa's going to win this game. They're only favored by three points, I believe. And I think Iowa is for sure the better team. But I know Maryland is going to give them a lot of fits. I think Maryland could really just upset them this week. But I, and I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But I'm going to go Iowa. Uh, up next, we have Arkansas at Georgia. College game day is going to Athens for this game. Number eight, Arkansas. Number two, Georgia. Georgia is an 18.5-point favorite, with which I think could be a little high. But I understand why they are doing that. Uh or why they think Georgia's going to run away with it, because Georgia's for sure like a top-two team in the nation. Arkansas is just like, yeah, they're eight. But we don't really know to the full extent how good they actually are until this game actually plays out. So, of course, I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. But I think this game's going to be closer than 18 and a half. Uh, then we have number seven, Cincinnati, my Bearcats, at number nine, Notre Dame. Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I like my Bearcats here. 
Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not impressed with Notre Dame, even after that win over Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's just a bad team that just got a lot of hype, and I think that's the same thing with Notre Dame. I think Cincinnati will take care of business. I don't think they're going to win by a lot, but I think they're going to win enough to where the CFP and the AP Bowl should show them some more respect than what they are showing them now. Uh, next, uh, 2.30 kickoff, CBS, Ole Miss, number 12 in the nation, at Bryant-Denny Stadium to play the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Bama is a 14.5-point favorite. I think Bama's going to win this game. Uh, I think Ole Miss is for sure a top-five team in the SEC right now, strictly because that offense is so high-powered. I need to see Ole Miss, how their defense reacts to this game. Uh, their defense was terrible last year, ranked dead last. They've shown improvement, but we have not seen them play a quality team to where I can be, okay, this defense is for sure improved. This is the first test. If they win this game, they're able to stop Bama's offense enough to win or to even keep it close throughout the entire game. I will take back everything I said about their defense, but right now I feel like Alabama would not be stopped, especially by an Ole Miss defense who has not really proven themselves uh, so far into the season. Up next, we have Oregon at Stanford. Uh, I don't have a lot for this game. I just know Oregon's number three, or and they're also favored by eight points. But I think it could be a fun game, a sneaky good game. I think Stanford could make a push and force Oregon to have to win this game. Uh, I think Stanford is going to keep it close. But I think Oregon at the end of the game is probably going to run away with it. And then we have some upset alerts. Uh, number 11, Ohio State. At Rutgers, the birthplace of college football. I have Ohio State, but I think it's going to be way closer than their 15-point favorite says. I think the Rutgers are going to be able to stay in this game. Ohio State is probably down to Stroud. Their defense is not playing well. Rutgers are pretty good this year, unlike every other year, really. Uh, I would love to see a Rutgers upset. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think this game is going to be way closer than we think. Uh, up next, another upset. Number six, Oklahoma at Kansas State. Oklahoma's a 10.5-point favorite for some reason, even though the defense has been – or their offense and defense have just been off-key and have been very unimpressive. Uh, I like Kansas State here. I think Kansas State is going to keep up their streak. They're going to win against uh, the Sooners for the third year in a row. I like the Wildcats here, especially since it's, on, it's at Bill Snyder Stadium. Uh and uh, we have three more games left. Boston College at Clemson. No, I'm going to be picking Boston College. I've been unimpressed with Clemson thus far. Clemson somehow a 16-point favorite, even though their offense is, except for like one game, has been able to even score 16 points. I think Boston College has been playing well enough to where I think they could pull off this upset. Uh, they're deep, they were able to beat uh, Missouri in OT uh, this past Saturday. Clemson's offense has been playing has been very unimpressive. And I think Boston College is going to take advantage of that and score on a very tired defense when their offense isn't able to move. Uh, then we have probably the best game of the week, uh, UConn at Vanderbilt. Vandy's a 14.5-point favorite, and I think they're going to cover that. UConn is probably one of the worst teams I've ever seen in college football history. Uh, 0-5, they were able to keep it close against a Wyoming team, but, I mean... Wyoming. Wyoming isn't a terrible team, but I mean, I well, I could be wrong. I feel like they're not an FBS team. I think they're probably an FCS team. Could be wrong on that, but I feel like 
Wyoming probably should have won the game, but more UConn was able to keep it keep up with them. But I think that was probably a fluke game for UConn. I think Vandy's just gonna run away with this game at some point. And finally, my last game of the week, number twenty-two, Auburn at LSU. LSU is a three and a half point favorite. Auburn has not beaten LSU and Tiger Stadium since nineteen ninety-nine. I'm correct on that. So they have not beaten LSU and Tiger Stadium in my lifetime. But it's a new year. Bonix is having fun. He's improved. TJ Finley is also improved. I think Auburn's defense and will be able to take over this game, especially with Owen Papo and Jacoby both playing. I think Auburn beats LSU and Tiger Stadium this year. I have high hopes. And I would love to finally see them win in that stadium after so many years of it just not happening. But, yeah, that is my – those are my predictions yeah, uh, for this upcoming week of football. Very fun week. Can't wait for it. But with all that being said, that is all I have for you today. And I will see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.